All righty, we are now recording. This is Revelation chapter 5. I confuse myself every week because I'm easily confused, number one. And number two, I'm writing questions for next week. And so then I get confused. What are we doing tonight? We're doing five tonight, but the questions to just help you look at chapter 6 are out there. And next week we start, uh, we, uh, start opening the seals of the scroll next week. So at the end of tonight, I want to talk about um, all of that a little bit so that you can be looking that up, because I want you to look it up for yourself. Um, and, and that's part of the, that's why I give you these questions. It's, it's so that it, it, they're thought provokers, I hope, a little bit, um, to look at and figure out what's going on, um, and uh, just, to, just to help see. Um, I didn't, I didn't say this at the beginning, uh, I, I said something close, but um, uh, I, I said back when we were studying the churches, and I did say something about this already, and that is that, that I have a view that is similar but not exactly like the most popular view. And where I am different, um, I'll always teach both things that are most, the most popular and what I, what I believe. Um, and, and uh, you, I mean, probably you can tell which is which. I'm going to try to do that without um, trying to say, or, or make it sound like, I, I'm, of course I'm right and all this is not right. Um, I tend to sound like that. It's, it's just part of uh, my personality, so I have to push that down. Um, but, but I promise when we come to events that, that are there, we'll talk about them. Okay, but we got to come to those events. So we're going to look at Revelation, and part of what I want to talk about at the end is that a couple of different ways of looking at how is Revelation unfolding, and as far as chronology, um, and what is going on there, and um, I'm not sure the word I'm looking for, but but the order of things, uh, because you might be seeing something was in the past, we're going to see something that was actually started in Genesis 3, and that's, that's we're going to get to that in a later chapter. It refers all the way back to that, but it has current application today for us, and we'll have application in Revelation. It's something ongoing until Christ does indeed come back and set up his thousand-year reign. So uh, I just want to hit a couple of those, just put them in your mind so you can start looking for them in your research. Um, because you have a computer, and though Google only has four one-thousandths of all available knowledge on the internet to find, it's still a lot, okay? Um, And uh, I couldn't even understand the way the guy was explaining it. If you were here this morning, um, I I was, uh, he had charted it out. Um, Our brains have five petabytes of information in them to file and take care of. That is so far beyond any computer that it's not even funny. But then there's one after that. And, uh, and so they, they described them by size to kind of give a picture of it. I, did, I couldn't even follow it. That's like, yeah, whatever. It was too much for me. But, uh, but having said that, just that, that Revelation is, you, you got to kind of see it and keep in mind a lot of things at once to, to piece it in there. Because I don't believe Revelation is just, it started at the beginning and it goes to the end. I think there is a back and forth, up and down. By up and down, I mean to heaven and back to earth. Back and forth. This happened and now this is, we see this happening. And then there's, oh, but that's going to happen. And, and of course, when Revelation speaks kind of in the present, it's talking about what's going on in those end days, right? He says, and I saw this, and we understand Okay, that's happening in this time of the end. Y'all understand that? So, so then, I, and like I said, I get confused when I start using those, and I may confuse you because I say it a certain way, and I'm not saying it the way I ought to. So at any point, go, wait a minute, that makes sense. And I'll go, you're probably right. What did I mess up? And you'll be right that I messed it up at least. So um, let's pray, and we'll jump into chapter 5 here. Uh, Lord, and... Indeed, uh, we, we, we sang a song here tonight that wherever you lead, I'll go. And uh, Lord, may that be very, very true of us. Uh, because sometimes you may call us to places that we don't want to go. Uh, there's going to be uh, believers in, in the tribulation. They're right there in the, in the book. 
And uh, they're going to go probably a place they wouldn't have chosen. And in fact, um, in the next chapter, we'll hear them crying out to you while in heaven. So, uh, Lord, um, give us uh, not only the direction, but the courage uh, to walk in the way you call us. And um, may we remember that the thing we're to do is to get people ready uh, for either their death or your coming by showing them the gospel and bringing them uh, to a place of decision uh, about you, whether you are the Christ, whether you are the Savior, or you're not. And uh, Lord, of course, we believe that you are, and so we're here tonight to try to learn more. So please open our eyes. Give us understanding that's beyond our education. Help us to see um, what your truth is, and we ask all that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, in chapter 5, um, y'all start telling me, what, who are some of the characters that we see in chapter 5? And they may not have a name, they may just have a description. But right there in verse 1, uh, who, who, is, who is in verse 1? Not in verse 1 in chapter 5. Are you, are you sure? Well, oh, you're right. John is there. Y'all see? I, there I did. I messed it up. All right. Then I saw. You're right. John is there. What did you, who did John see? Now, does it say God? Right. It, it is. But I, I, do like, I do like the language that, that is used. And sometimes it does us well to go, hold on. I, I like that way of speaking that was like in the 1800s. Um, I believe, I don't, I don't know, Mary may know because Mary's smart about this kind of stuff, but um, somebody else may know because you're also smart about this. When did we start using contractions like don't for do not or can't for cannot? It, not written, okay. Because I'm watching a, a TV show in the 1800s and, they, and he kept using contractions. Like, they didn't use those. Um, if you get the remade version of True Grit, um, which, you know, I know there's a one bad word in there and, and the guy gets drunk a lot. And so, but I have watched both versions. I like the first one better, but the second one is more close to the book. Um, they never use a contraction in their speaking. That did not work out as I had anticipated. He says that instead, that didn't work. He says that did not work. And so it's kind of interesting here. So anyway, I like the way they talk. And sometimes that makes you stop and go, ooh, listen to that. And, and so it says there, I saw in the right hand of him who is seated on the throne. So uh, doesn't that sound good? I think it just encouraging kind of the, the one seated on the throne. And you're right, that, that's God the Father, right? And... and uh, and so John is seeing the Father there, and Hebrews says we are we can't see him, but he can see them, see him. So, um, and what is in his right hand? That's probably a what question. A scroll. So what what is going on here in chapter five overall? Say that I heard scroll. That's all I heard. Yeah, the the lamb's going to take the scroll. So. It's the preamble to the opening of the seals, right? The, the scroll is sealed by seven seals. Um, and I got commentaries that describe a lot of this. This scroll, what is unique about the scroll? Do, did y'all study that? I think it's written on the inside and the back. Yes, that's, that's weird. I didn't know until I was looking at some commentaries just this afternoon that basically they would make a skull with, it was about a 10 inch piece of papyrus that, that would be right written and they'd get that and then they'd have another one and they'd stick it to it. And that's kind of how, they, you know, they didn't have a sheet of paper. They had to kind of build it as they went and then roll that up and build more. And, and so usually they didn't write on the front and back, but if they did it's because there was shortage of papyrus, so they had to. But the way this is said about how it's sealed there is a belief, um, and I've I never thought about this till today, so obviously I'm not saying this one way or the other. Here it says a scroll, but the word is biblion, which is book, but their books were scrolls. I think it's biblion, it's biblia something, which is Greek for book. And uh, so uh, um, the way this is written, it almost looks like it could be a 
leaf book like what we have. Each page is a leaf. That's what turning over a new leaf means. Second century is what they said is when it started to be common. They, so they did have books even then. Um, and, and just the way the seals are and things, it makes more sense if it was a book like this and click, 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 click before you can open it. But there is also evidence of scrolls being sealed like that, and each one does reveal a, a, a part. So we don't know. It's not super important, but the fact that it's written on the inside and the out, I think Ezekiel, is it Ezekiel? I could open that and look. Also saw a scroll, and he was commanded to eat it. And then he would be able to say it to the people. And it was bitter to the taste and sweet in his belly. If you remember that. I believe that scroll was written inside and out. Um, so anyway, so, so we're going to, we see this scroll. We see it sealed by seven seals. And then we see this big hoopla so we know how important it is, right? Um, and, and I say hoopla. I say that I, I sometimes speak in metaphors just to make you understand what I'm trying to get at. I'm not... I'm not uh, denigrating or making light of that this is the opening of the, of the revelation of God. So it's not just hoopla, it's something big going on. But he describes it also, we understand, as these things are opening, this is a next week question, what, what's happening? When, they, when, when he breaks the seal, what happens? Big things, yeah. <laughs> Stuff happens, right? I used to have a t-shirt that said, do you know what happens to people who don't believe God? And the back of my shirt said, bad things, man, bad things. Um, so, yeah, big things start happening. And so, what are those, what is happening when, that's, when those seals start opening? Who is, who is creating something happening there? Well, who's opening the seals? It's in chapter 5, who's opening them? Yeah, the Lamb's opening them. He's the only one worthy, right? Um, which I love. There, I love this, this verse in chapter 5. But, okay, so, um, I, I, I'm obviously not going just straight down this page. Um, so, what is John doing while all this is going on? We're in chapter 5 tonight, and then chapter 6 is for study next week. So, look at the title of the page as you all get it. Okay, so, what did you say? He's observing. Um, when he's asked a question, he has to answer, right? And what does he do as he observes? What's that? Yes, but as uh, I just meant in general, when he sees something, what does he do with it? As, that's not a complicated answer. Y'all thinking too hard. Yeah, you're writing it down. Because we're going to come to a place where he's told not to write it down. I don't know if y'all remember this part. That's, this, that's the big mystery for me. That's the thing. I'm like, what's going on with that? And that's part of what I want to show you tonight, too. Um, so, so John is writing it down. What, uh, what is Jesus doing? He's going to take the scroll, right? Who else is in this chapter, though? We started, though. I didn't let you get very far with it. What's that? Yeah, strong angel. Yep. Yeah. So, so all the characters in chapter 4 are also in chapter 5. Chapter 5 is just like chapter 4. Don't forget who's on the throne, okay? You get a lot of other characters, a lot of other stuff going on, but just don't forget who's on the throne. That's the most important thing. All the rest of it is, is revolving around him and him being both God the Father and the Son. Um. So we hear uh, down in verse 11, I heard the throne, uh, around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels, uh, myriad, uh, numbering myriads of myriads, or thou and then it says, and thousands of thousands. So that's just, we, we say that's a whole bunch, right? And notice they are saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might 
forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. So this, this is, when does this event happen? Let me ask that question. When does this scene happen? What, what is about to kick off here? I, I heard somebody say revelation, is that right? Tribulation, Tribulation yes. Absolutely. That, that's what's about to happen. Um, we, are, we are jumping into um, all the events of the end times in chapter 6. And chapter 5 is letting us know that's what's about to happen. Right? And that, and let me make sure before I say it. No, that's not, that's not where it is. Okay. Um, so this is kind of the beginning. Now, I skipped over a whole big section on purpose. Uh, somebody was telling me John was weeping. Why was John weeping? I want to go back and look at that part. Um, and that starts in, in chapter, in verse 2, I mean. Yeah, nobody's worthy. I, I lo- th- these are the verses that I, I just love. And back in the 80s, there was a contemporary music group called, uh, named Mylon Lefebvre and Broken Heart. Mylon was the son of the singing Lefevers, uh, the, the founding, the parent group of them parents of that group, and uh, kind of grew up in, in that gospel music thing. Um, they sent him to a Christian boarding school in high school in Greenville, South Carolina, so that was Bob Jones, and it was so legalistic, he turned against faith, and uh, his parents were coming to Greenville to sing, and we're talking southern gospel, and so they told the school, hey, we're coming in town, we'd like for Milan to come to the concert, and at first they said he can't come. Um, because we don't agree with y'all's kind of music, and he's our son, and they said, okay, we'll let him come, but he can't sing with you. So he sang with him, with them, and they kicked him out. Um, and, you know, he sang a hymn or a gospel song, and they kicked him out for that. Um, so anyway, that's Bob Jones. But anyhow, he wrote a song, and then he got saved later. Uh, he, wrote, uh, he wrote, Without Him I Could Do Nothing, when he was 16 or 17 and lost. It's in our Baptist hymn book. Elvis recorded it, made him wealthy. So after he uh, ran away from the Lord, even though he kept doing, trying to do Christian music all the time, he founded some secular groups, kept writing songs, made $3 million uh, on, uh, by CBS, Columbia Records. He, um, he went to an, a, another Christian concert of, by the second chapter of Acts and, and got saved, became a Christian. So then he decided to form a group. Well, when he got saved, what he did is he went back to his church in Atlanta and he became the janitor for two years. He was a janitor before he even started making the group. So he's, but this, what he does is music, so he kept looking around, and he'd find this guy, plays guitar, this guy played this, this guy played that, and he'd start putting them together, hey, I want to start a band. Sure, okay, well, if you want to be in my band, you've got to be a janitor. So he'd make them work as a janitor for a year before they could be in the band. And then he said they all were bad. None of them were good. <laughs> he was the only good one in the group. So he had to teach them, but he taught them, and they wound up leading, like, I forget, 100,000 kids to the Lord, something like that, 80,000, I forget the number, it was, it was astronomical, um, it, but very contemporary, but they did a song on this passage, and I would play it for you, but it's about five minutes of introduction, just, oh, just music on, but then he reads in that Atlanta Southern accent these verses, and that's what I really love, and this is what it sounds like. Um, And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written within and without on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals. And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll and to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, and and he's reading King James, um, but weep no more. Behold, the line of the tribe of Judah. (laughs) He dragged those lines out so good. The root of David has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. What is important about what Jesus did? Why is he able to open the scroll? Look at what, why he is worthy. What does it say there? I think that's important. I don't have a Y on this sheet. I put a Y on the next one. 
Yeah, he, 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 he won the battle. The war isn't over, but he won the battle. And he, he is going to win the war. The war is won by him, but we're we just not there yet. And so Revelation is about this final showdown between Jesus and Satan, basically. And it's not really final, but it is final. At the end of a thousand years, it's definitely final. But that's within the book, so we'll see it there. So there's a hint here to us about this warfare because he is the, what does this reference tell him being the lion of the tribe of Judah? Where is, where is that seen before Revelation? I'll give you a hint, I preached on it last year. Yeah, Genesis. Genesis 49, is that it? 49, 41, 49. Judah, your brother shall praise you. Your hands shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down and he crouched as a lion. And as a lioness, who, dare, who dares rouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the people's. Binding the foal to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He's washed his garments in wine, and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine, and his teeth whiter than milk. He's not talking about the Judah of the Old Testament. He's talking about Jesus, right? That's very much a description of Jesus. So, in Revelation, he refers back and says, the line of the tribe of Judah. Yes. Yes, that's a good point, exactly. Yeah, and think about that, in all of heaven, everything that lives in heaven, everybody and everything, because there are things there, there's animals there, there's at least horses there, uh, we know that. There's people there, the righteous dead, since Christ's resurrection, they go, we go straight to heaven. And Jesus and the Father there, the angels, all the different kinds of angels, we see elders, uh, we see seraphim and cherubim uh, here, um, and uh, 24 elders and, four, and, and the four big angels. So there's a bunch of people in heaven, but none of them were worthy. Only Jesus is worthy to do this. So, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big deal, and that's the passage I just love. And I really love it because what happens after he hears, and the line of the tribe of Judah has been found worthy to open the scroll. Look at, look at verse 6. Between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw, I thought it was a lion. Yeah, the lion is a lamb, is a lion. You know, when lions roar, it's scary. I don't know if you ever heard a lion roar in person. it freak you right out. I used to have one in the zoo in Charleston and... The thing would roar at night. People said it was kind of scary. I guess they got used to it a little bit, but I've been there when it decided to do that. And uh, even in captivity, you don't you didn't want to be too close to that. Um, but when a lamb roars, <laughs> you better watch out. <laughs> what? That's something different. So this lion is a lamb, and it's a lamb. What does he look like? Well, before that. It looked as if he were slain, yeah. And then the seven, uh, someone said it was, uh, one of these commentaries say seven is used a lot in Revelation. It seems to be completion. I think it's the number of God. Uh, I've, I've seen it both ways. I think 12 is the number of completion in numerology, which, uh, again, I'm not big into, but some people are, and there are a lot of, I don't think they're coincidences. Most everything in the world you can, you can bring down to numbers, um, there even was a TV show about that, this genius guy and everything, he could figure it out by mathematical formulas because he was just a genius that way. Um, music is very numerical, isn't it, Pastor Andy? Yes. yes. Uh, you got to be able to count one, two, three, at least up to four, uh, or maybe even 12 and sometimes. Uh, and there are like four, four, 12 time? Yeah, so, yes, it is. Um, 
so uh, there's a lot of things that, that are done with numbers. So, so I'm not saying all of that is not right. But um, here it's just seven horns, um, seven eyes, and the seven spirits. Uh, the eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, are sent out in all the, in all the world. So it's a, to me, it's a symbolic way of saying the Lamb is getting information back from the Holy Spirit, who is in all of us and over all the world. We see this, this, this um, unity of God in three persons there, that what the Holy Spirit sees, Jesus sees. You catching that? Because the, his eyes, these seven eyes sim, symbolize the seven spirits. It's only one Holy Spirit, but again, it's the number that refers that the, this is God, both the Lamb and the Spirit. Um, and he sees all that. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, verse 7. So you've got to be God to take something from God, don't you? It's in the hand of God. You don't just walk up and snatch it out of his hand. I don't think he did it that way. Kind of we think that, oh, he took it out of his hand. Well, he, he went up and he was given it. He took it out of his hand. They're in agreement. And that's as far as you get in what's happening. Because <laughs> heaven just goes crazy, right? When, he, when this event happens, all of heaven just, in a good way, goes, goes crazy. He took the scroll, and verse 8, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. And by the way, what did we say that, well, the elders could be a lot of things. It could just be 24 angelic beings that God created. But what did I say is a great possibility that 24 elders are? Because divide 24 by 2, and then you can get what I'm driving at. 12 apostles and the 12 tribes of Israel, the sons of, of, of Jacob. So, uh, yeah, one, one second, hold your thought. Just Because the reason I'm pointing that out is he sees the lamb between the throne and the elders, um, the throne and the four living creatures, and amongst the elders. And, and the Bible says in the New Testament that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. So, so we have this sense, Jesus is in the church, the church is built on this 24 setting. Who said they had a question? Was that you, Donna? Yeah, horn, horns are power and authority. Um, the eyes are omniscience, seeing, and because it's the the eyes, and he's and he's by he's the throne is mentioned. He's between the throne and all these other creatures. So, and he is the mediator between God and men. And those twenty-four elders, if they are the tribes of Israel and the apostles, those are twenty-four men. If they are not, they're something else. But if they are those, they are men. And he is the mediator between God and men. Now, I've just made that up just now, so don't, don't hold me to that. I didn't research that anywhere. But it just hit me that that could be possible. So, yeah, this is symbolic of the power, the authority. In fact, um, there's an, I don't know if it's in Daniel or Revelation. There's some animal that's got so many different kind of throne, uh, horns, and then this one horn like kills, knocks off other horns, and I just never understood that. And some commentator made it very simple. Well, these represent kings, like represent authorities and powers in the earth, and this one is so mighty, he knocks three of them out to take over their dominions. I went, oh, well, that makes sense. But again, some of this symbolic sounds very literal. Do you think Jesus actually looks like a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes? Probably not. But that's how John saw him, so that he could describe, so we would understand the, the nature, because he's a lion, but when he turns, it's a lamb, and then that's a weird-looking lamb, seven eyes, seven horns. Uh, it, so, we, we take the Bible as literally as possible, but sometimes it's just obvious, because even Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I would have gathered you under my wing. 
Well, that was a metaphor for a mother chicken protecting her young, but you would not. But Jesus didn't have a wing hanging over there going, I'd get you under my wing, right? So we, we get, sometimes the Bible speaks this way, to give us an understanding of the nature of God, not necessarily the physical appearance of God. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. So, so when he takes the scroll, everybody, like I said, they just, they come apart. They freak out. And the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp. I guess this is where people got that everybody's got a harp and we sit on clouds and sing in heaven because there's singing happening here. Um, and he falls down, they he fell down before the lamb, each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are, wow. So when we pray, God puts that in a bowl. It's an incense that is smoking up to him, a sweet-smelling incense, in fact. So, so here is a, just an accounting. It doesn't say what's happening with that other than these, um, sorry, i, I got to keep checking myself. The 24 elders are holding these, these prayers of the saints in golden bowls and, and it's as incense. And again, if these 24 elders are men, that's, that is who petitions God in prayer, right? Any request made to God, we would call that a prayer. I, I have a um, historical fiction book. It's more fiction than history. Uh, but, but it was enough that when the movie Braveheart came out, I just saw the word Braveheart, and I went, I bet that's about William Wallace. Walked over to the poster and went, yep, sure is. And in that book, um, the, the hero, William Wallace, who is a real historical figure, um, his wife had died, and someone asked about her, and he said, she is now where her prayers can best be heard. I just love that phrase. So that's what I say about, like, my mother, who I'm sure still prays for me, because now she's standing right where her prayers can best be heard. Right? Uh, people have asked me a lot, maybe you've, you've wondered this, can people in heaven see us? And then people say, I don't think they could because they'd be sad. And I said, they're not sad because they've got God's perspective now. They see us like God sees us. So they, they, they may know what's about to happen and not be sad at all. But like, they're going, hang in there. don't." Because you read Hebrews 11 and 12, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And I don't know if you watch any football games, but usually the clouds of witnesses and stands are cheering on the people on the field. And he's talking about us running a race, and we've got a cloud of witnesses about us. It's a picture of a stadium and an athletic event going on. So I, I, I sincerely believe that. I don't think it's a stadium, but I, I believe the metaphor that the saints in heaven can see us, and they're holding these prayers, um, which becomes important in the next chapter because we see prayers being offered in heaven by people to God. So I'm not way off beam. You, you look that up next week in the next chapter. And they sang a new song saying, and let's, let's look at the song for a second. Worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood... Now, anybody in here have a King James? Okay, somebody read uh, verse uh, 9 to us. And pay attention to who is ransomed in the King James. Okay, so they said us. The literal translation is men or people. Now, the modern translations say people, just so you know, some people won't get freaked out. But in the Bible and in English, man means mankind. It can be, uh, refer to a single man or it can refer to all of humanity. So he's saying you, you redeemed people or men or, or humans for God. They're not saying you redeemed us. They say you redeemed men. So that is an evidence that the elders may not be people. It may be angels because God doesn't redeem angels. You get one shot at it. And if you rebel, you are forever sealed for hell. 
he created hell for the devil and his angels, but people decided they wanted to go too. So uh, that in Isaiah, I think it says hell has enlarged itself um, for that. Um, sorry, just buzzing, no big deal. All right. So I, I just wanted to point that out. The King James, uh, and, and, I, and I was talking to Kent back there just before we started, um, because the King James and I say it differently than our newer translations. And you have to understand, since 1611, we have found manuscripts that are older than the ones they had in 1611. And I, if you don't like time-lapse movies, this will confuse you, but... Um, but in 1611, they had a bunch of good manuscripts. Since then, we have found better manuscripts who are much, much older. And the older they are, the better they are because the closer they are to the originals. Okay? So the, nothing super important has changed, but little words like that help us um, to see. And so, so uh, as guys copied it by hand, sometimes they'd get excited and write praise God or something in the margin. And then the next guy who's copying that copy went, Oh, that goes in here. You know, some guy's copying the Lord's Prayer, and then he just says, Oh, Lord, to you be the glory and the kingdom forever and ever. Amen. You know, and the next guy, looking at his liner notes, goes, Oh, that must go in here, and he put it in. Now, it doesn't hurt anything that's in the Bible, but it may not be the Bible. So when we, find, when we find enough manuscripts that are older that don't have it in there, we go, Hey, maybe somebody... And excitement wrote that in the margin, and somebody put it in, and after that, everybody used it. So, just so you understand that about biblical translate, we there's more evidence that the people that the Bible says wrote the Bible under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. There's more evidence for that than there is for that Shakespeare wrote what is attributed to him. Just understand that 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 don't don't let that shake you when they when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls which were a thousand years older than anything else we had, they didn't have to change but one word in the book of Isaiah. It was still that good because they were trying to be super careful. But like I said, every once in a while somebody get excited and something would happen. Or the papyrus broke off and we lost it and then we found it back or something like that. Okay, just, just so you understand. All right, so, so we have this song. So what happens? You were slain in your blood. You ran some people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And notice that not every tribe has her even heard the gospel yet. But according to this, and when we get to chapter 7, every tongue, every tribe, every people will have a representative in heaven. So there's a lot still to do. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on earth. Think about that. We are a kingdom, and we're priests of that kingdom. All right. So then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and in the living creatures and the elders, the voice of many angels. The angels want to get in on this. I tell you, heaven just goes nuts. And so now the angels, numbering myriads of myriads. I didn't look at the meaning of the word myriad. I meant to do that. Um, and thousands of thousands. So it's a whole bunch, like I said. Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever let me ask you a question can fish talk yeah Exactly. Not not that long ago, a lot of people believed that at, that probably from creation to the flood, animal or from creation to the fall, I should say, that animals could communicate with humans. They weren't afraid of men until after the flood. So you can go out and pet a T Rex up till the flood, but then after the flood, they were afraid of us because God said you can eat them. And so we start killing them, they're like, we, we're not up for that, we're out of here. It's not weird that Balaam's donkey talked, it's just weird that he talked when he did, because by that time, that didn't happen. So I, I, I firmly believe that we were supposed to be out. And, and so if you read things like uh, Chronicles of Narnia or Lord of the Rings, these, these guys from the early 1900s 
uh, who are coming out, being taught out of the 1800s and extremely smart theologians and in their works of fiction, animals have a lot more sense than they do to, we think they do today. Um, that mean we, we should treat them like people. They're not people, they're animals. They don't, they don't supposedly, you know, I don't think they have eternity, but the Bible tells us to treat animals kindly. Um, it says a righteous man takes thought for his beast. Um, so you don't abuse an animal ever. That is very wrong. Um, but they are for our use and our, and our health. Um, we just maybe misuse that sometimes. And so then the four living creatures say, Amen, and the elders fall down and worship. And then we're going to come to chapter 6. So uh, I'm going to slow down. we got about 15 minutes. I'm just going to look real quick. Did I not answer some question, or do you have a question? And, and I asked this question in the middle. What's the nature of the characters in chapter 5? you got men, you got angels, you got God. you you got, you got a lot of different things going on. Um, and and uh, different kind of creatures. Uh, you even have animals. It says every, it doesn't say every one, it says every creature in heaven and earth and under the earth and in the sea are saying. Um, I, I used to say this just kind of as a silly way um, that when a rooster crows, he's doing what God made him to do. He's glorifying God. When a chicken lays an egg, she's glorifying God. When a dog barks, they're glorifying God. When a baby cries, it's glorifying God. It's doing what God made it to do. That's why I don't get freaked out when a baby cries at church. Now, when I was young, there were people alive. I remember when dogs wandered in and out of churches <laughs> because the, you didn't have air conditioning, doors were open, and a hot night, a dog might wander in there. But um, I say that because my favorite breed of dog, or one of my favorite breeds of dogs, that's how it came about. A little brown dog walked into a church. Guy picked it up and gave it to this man named Dr. Boykin who said, hmm, I might do something with this dog, and created the Boykin Spaniel eventually. Uh, he started breeding them out. So that's the state dog of South Carolina now. So anyway, um, so we have a lot going on. We got a lot of different characters here. Um, what are these multitude of angels saying? I put that in there so you'd see that us or them and, uh, or, or men. Um, and what, what does all creation say? And that, that last one, to him who sits on the throne of the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. That's a great way. You ought to open your Bible that tomorrow when you're praying and just end your prayer saying that out loud. That's a great, a great ending to a prayer before you say amen. Um, and what's in the golden bowls? The prayers of the saints. So very, our prayer, just reading that ought to maybe change the way you pray. I don't know, I might, I'm not telling you that. I'm saying that to me. If, if God cares enough about my prayers, put them in a bowl and so that he can, it's like an incense, he is, he is absorbing that. Then maybe I ought to not just ask him for Cadillacs and Ford Jets. And maybe God isn't up for us being prosperity people. Maybe he's up for us to be people that care about lost people. I would think that matters more to God than whether I get an airplane or not. Uh, just... In case you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. But there are these preachers out there that, oh, God, bless me, I got four airplanes. Delgo's got hundreds of them. Yeah, I know, but they're making money on it. And you're making money on the backs of poor people. Anyway, sorry, I'm not bitter. Um, so I asked, when does this scene occur? And I asked that early. It's at the beginning of tribulation. Tribulation's about to kick off. This is the... This is the warm-up. This is the, we're about to start the game uh, announcement. Gentlemen, start your engines. We're about to start the race. So, um, is this a one-time event or continuous? This is a one-time, all this worship and praise. This is a one-timer because he's taking the scroll, right? The chapter before, we see these angels are continuously doing this. They're flying and saying it. In chapter 5, the Lamb takes the scroll, so it's a one time that all this happens. Because um, I told you last week, it's like, do they reset and do it again? Because it says they continually are doing it. Yet it says they're coming off of their seats, their thrones, and bowing and doing it. And then the other angels do another lap, and they fall out of their seats again. So is it like they reset and do it, reset and do it forever and ever and ever is what it looks like. But now in this chapter, oh, this is different. He took the scroll.
How long has God been holding that scroll? See, is he holding it right now? I don't know. Just the thought just hit me as I talk about. Um, and then where is this place? Where is this happening? I don't know if we answered that. Heaven, yeah, absolutely. It's a new song, yes. Yes, I, I, I appreciate that. I think that's very good. Um, and the hymn writer put that in, right? And when in scenes of glory, we sing the old, old song, the new, new song, it'll be the old, old story that we've loved so long. You remember that? We got that out of that. It's a new song being sung, but it's the song of salvation. And then, how is this scene made, po made possible? And, and that goes back to what I asked about the, the lamb that was slain. It was made possible because he redeemed men from. And, and in fact, I have another thing I want to bring out. I've, already, I've, I've hinted at it. I'm going to say a little bit more about it. What happened in Genesis 3.15? You can look there if you want. This is Genesis. This is not to be redundant or, or um, say a pun. But Genesis 3.15 is the genesis of this in Revelation. What do you read there? I'm sorry, did I say, is that right? I, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry, it's my eyes. I was looking at the wrong verse. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mary. Right. Right. He's going to bruise your head, you'll bruise his heel. This is a war that has been going on since Genesis 3. It began before Genesis 3, didn't it? Somewhere, and we don't know the exact timeline, somewhere before this, Satan had already rebelled, and now he's leading God's brand new creation of people, this whole new creature God has made. Angels already exist, and I don't know what the good angels thought, but... Why are you making these weak things and calling them in your image and your sons? We're, angels don't get to be, they, they are called sons of God because they are a type of a son of God, but they're not a son of God like you and I are. We're a son of God by adoption. Theirs is only by creation. Because the angels that rebelled don't get to be called sons of God. They lost that right and are condemned to hell forever. They don't have a second chance. Man did the same thing, rebelled against God, and he gave us a second chance. So Genesis 3.15, God describes the war and lets Satan know, tough stuff, I'm going to come save them. Now, we don't read all of that in there, but knowing what we know now, we can look back and know that's what God was talking about, that Eve's seed would be Jesus, Right? So this has been a war that goes on yet today. And earlier I was talking about heaven and now talking about this. This is stuff we say we know, but we don't take it very literally sometimes. We, we think the supernatural, uh, someone said we truncate it. In other words, well, yeah, miracles happen back there, and they're in this little silo, and we can leave them in there. But, you know, today we're just doing the best we can. No, that war is still going on right now. We just don't get to see it as much. God only revealed it a few times through history. Daniel being, you know, my favorite, obviously, where he's prayed for 21 days. And Gabriel, I, again, I see pictures in my head. I think of Gabriel coming through the window, you know, like folding his wings. You ever watched a bird land? I mean, I, my mother loved birds. My grandmother loved birds. Didn't know my grandmother, but she loved birds, and I kind of inherited it, so I feed them and I watch them. And, I, and, and uh, I've watched a hawk, twice I've seen a hawk either kill or try to kill. I saw one land in a field on something. I don't know what he hit, but he hit it and held onto it. I walked over to it, but I could never see what was under his feet in the grass. But he just looked at me and was like, walk away, man. Um, another time I was hunting squirrels and a morning dove, you know, the kind, not the pigeon, but the morning dove, he landed right above me. And, and I saw him, and I looked up like, oh, there's a dove. It wasn't dove season, so I'm not going to shoot him, and I'm just watching him. And, all, and he's standing there like this, and all of a sudden, he just does a header. Like, he just flips upside down. And I, was, and I thought, that's strange. And about the time I thought the word strange before I could get it out, 
this hawk just went right over that thing. He saw him coming, and he just rolled off. And when he went upside down, he let go, fell, and started flapping his wings, flipped around, took off. And the hawk, by the time he circled around, he was gone. I was like, that was cool. But when a hawk comes in to do that, he's coming flared out, feet first, coming for that dove. And it was just so awesome to see that hawk come in and go feet first over that limb and miss that dove. I was like, I didn't know they missed. I thought, you always got them. It was just cool. So in Daniel, I just see Gabriel come flying in with wings, hitting the window, and just coming in feet first, folding his wings, hitting his feet, going, okay, Daniel, 21 days. The first day you prayed, God sent me. But the prince of Persia held me up. And I've been fighting him for 21 days, and I couldn't get past him. So I had to yell for Michael to come help me. And Michael is over there wrestling with him now so I could get the message. Here's what God said. Here's what you need to know. I got to go because now the prince of Greece has come to join the fight, and I got to go back and keep fighting. And back out the window. Was he dreaming? That war is going on right now in the heavens. Always. And when a saint prays and God starts sending the answer, there are fallen angels fighting them to keep them away from us. Think about that. Yeah, Ephesians 6. Principalities, powers, rules of darkness. I just learned something about one of those words. I'll have to look that back up and tell you about it later. So, all right. I, I want to talk to you a little bit about timing and revelation. And I, I looked around. It's all in red or orange, so I apologize for that. I, I wish I had different colors. What are, how many groups of seven are opened in Revelation? We're talking about seals right now, so you got that one, right? So there's seven seals. What are there other sevens of? Bowls? Trumpets? Yeah, the bowls and, and, and lamps are the, yeah, it's a kind of a lamp. Is that it? Well, there are the seven spirits of God, but I'm not about things that are open and then things happen. There's, there's at least three sets. There's actually four sets. Do you remember the fourth? You know why you don't remember the fourth? And then I saw seven thunders, and I went to write, and the angel said, don't write that. There's something that happens that we don't know, and God didn't want us to know. That freaks me right out. This freaks me out already. That there is something that he didn't want us to know. It's like, hmm, that's interesting. Okay, so here, this, I asked that to ask you this question. How do you think those happen? Do they happen seven and then seven and then seven or some other way? Remember, I'm talking about timing. So let, let me show you different ways it could happen. The, the, what you and I, well, I, I can't speak for you, but... The first thought that ever came to my mind and, and I thought about is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, comma. These would be the seals. And then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And somebody just kind of look ahead. I think these are the trumpets. Am I right or wrong? And then we have the the, the one that we forget about, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I believe these are the thunders. And that you, you'll have struggle finding that because it's just a couple of verses. And then we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And I think these are bowls. And the bowls might be where I have the, tr the, the, uh, the trumpets. Trumpets come last or there? Do they come after the seals? Okay. So there's the order. So that's one way to look at it. There's another way to look at it. And I'm going to leave thunders off because we don't know what's happening, even though it's happening. But I'm going to run out of room if I keep doing that. So let me do this. So you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven seals. And the seventh one opens. And you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven trumpets. And the seventh one opens them, and you have, this should be the thunders, but we're going to skip them. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven bowls. It could happen like that. 
It's still numerically one after the other, but it's not seven, stop, seven, stop, seven. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, five, six. All right, now I'm gonna erase that because I have already run out of room. And I'm gonna give you one other way to look at it. And I want you to look them up and you tell me how you think this works. You can, you can probably just Google uh, numerical order of judgments and revelation. I'm gonna do this one in orange just because I like orange and I found an orange pen. This has no meaning other than that, I promise. And I'm gonna have to stretch this out to show it to you, okay? So we'll do the first ones, these are the seals. One, two, three, ah, that's still too close. I'm hitting the mic, sorry for the recording, people that might listen to this recording later. This is like the sign, plan ahead, and the person ran out of room putting a head on there. Okay, there are the seals. Under six, and under six, and all the sevens happen at the same time. Now I have a reason for thinking that way, but I want you to look it up and see what you think, what is this timing in Revelation? I don't think you can answer that definitively. I don't think anybody will know for sure, but I want you to look it up and see why would people do it those different ways. There may be another way I'm unaware of. Those are the big ways I know of. Um, and like I said, there's a whole other set of sevens not in there, but I would, would argue because I think if it was this way, it still ends the sevens end together. If it's the other way, six opens the next seven. And if it's the first way, it's just in the order, okay? So that's how that would go. So I just want you to think, that orange can't be seen from way off, can it? But anyway, if you can't see it too well, the sevens are all happening at the same time. And I'll tell you why that is a possibility next week, why I would say that is a possibility. The other two are probably possibilities, but there might be problems with the other ways that you might discover. So just be looking for that and see what you find out, and, uh, and then we can talk about it. And then you think, hmm, well, it makes most, most sense to me. It could be this way. That's fine, because you may not know. You may get to watch it from heaven. You don't know. Um, you, may, you, may, uh, uh, you may know before any of it even starts, because you might get to heaven before tribulation starts, right? That would be probably a blessing, don't you think? So uh, anyway, so thank you all for coming out. I, I hope this helped. Um, it, I think chapters four and five, um, you ought to do those in quiet time sometimes because it is, we're seeing worship as it's supposed to be because it's worship in heaven. This is how they worship in heaven. And they're falling down and they're, they're crying out to God, they're singing. They're doing a whole bunch of stuff, and they're honoring God in Trinity. And chapters 4 and 5 shows you how they worship. If we worshiped in a Baptist church like we worship in heaven, they would fire all of us, okay? So, um, uh, so just know that heaven's going to be pretty exciting. We are not going to sit quietly in heaven. Yes, yeah, but for her that might, you know, I always say there's a complaint box in heaven because some heaven's where everybody's happy and some people aren't happy unless they're complaining, so there has to be a complaint box. Um, but, you know, that might be what thrilled her the most and, to, you know, hey, you want to be in the choir? Sure, come on up, sister, you <laughs> can join the choir. Um, Janice and I, she was in the choir at the Billy Graham Crusade. I was working as a counselor. We didn't know each other, didn't know that until we met later and, and discovered that, but, but uh she had been in Charleston at one of my good friend's churches for over four years, and I didn't meet her until she graduated uh, college, and that's when I met her. So anyway, 
So you never know. Sorry, I was just thinking about going into the choir like she was singing in that choir. Well, let's, let's pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you. Uh, Lord, again, we just acknowledge that there's no way we will um, be 100% confident that we fully understand this book. Uh, but you didn't tell us we had to, but you did say you ought to be wise and look at this and think about it and see what it's saying and that you would bless us just for even studying it, reading it, looking at it, listening to it. Uh, Lord, there's plenty of lessons in there for us even as we walk in this world right now. The fact that we ought to be worshiping and we ought to take cues from how uh, you are worshiped in heaven by those who see you uh, all the time without failing, you, that it never ends. It's no day and night, it's just constant. And, uh, and that it is, it is almost innumerable. Chapter 7 of Revelation, you're going to tell us that it was, it was a number no man could count that is worshiping you, and there's a number of people there. Um, and, and probably that's metaphorical, because, I mean, it's, it is a finite number, but at the same time, it's, it's so big that John said, you can't even count this. So, Lord, I, I just pray that we would read this as a reality and know that we are, we are, we're not pawns in a fight, we're soldiers in a fight, and that you have sent us into a, uh, as we read this morning about the 70 or 72 you sent out, that uh, we are lambs among wolves and we have been sent with the message so that you can show up and show off. And so, Lord, may we do that. We invite you to do that. We want you to come into our lives, into our church, and just show up and show off. And uh, we'll give you all the honor and the glory and the praise in Jesus' name.